And one of the main purposes of this prayer, praying this each day, um, is building within us a daily dependence on God's provision. And we talked about how, you know, whether we realize it or not, we're absolutely dependent on God. I mean, everything he made belongs to him. Everything he's given us belongs to him. He even supplies us with our next breath, right? So we're absolutely dependent on him, but sometimes we don't think, sometimes we're so independent we don't recognize our dependence. And so part of this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, give us this day what we, give us what we need for today, is us building a daily dependence on his provision. But what we think we need is greatly influenced by whose will we're seeking, isn't it? Like, if I'm seeking my will, then I'm going to think, oh, I need these things, right? Like, God, I need the VP job so I can be the boss of my team, right? Or, God, I need you know, this car so people will think I'm cool. Or I need this phone or these clothes so I can fit in, right? So, it's like, so when we're seeking our will, we can be so shallow and, and so petty with, when it comes to what we think we need. But if we're sincerely seeking his will above ours, then, we, then our perspective changes on what we really need, right? Then we start to pray for things that we need that are in accordance to his will. Like, God, I pray that you would give me the best job so that, I can, so that you know, my family is provided for and so that we can be generous people. And I pray also that, that I would have the best job where I can reach the most people for your kingdom. Right? So that's a totally different prayer, right? Or God, give me an opportunity to be a friend at that kid at school who nobody likes and no one talks to. Right? So our, need, our perception of needs change when we start seeking God's will. And then, just as we are dependent on God for everything that we have and everything that comes to us on all of his provision, we are dependent on God for forgiveness each day. Because we sin, right? But Jesus teaches us to pray for God's forgiveness conditional on us forgiving other people. We talked about this last week where this, this next part of the prayer says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the reason that Jesus teaches us to pray this way is because God puts a condition, puts that condition on forgiveness. Right? Jesus even spelled it out for us. In Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, he says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So since God places this condition on forgiveness, the real purpose of Jesus teaching us to pray this way is to give God an opportunity to build within us a heart that freely forgives, right? Just like our Heavenly Father freely forgives us. And as his children, shouldn't we be a reflection of him? Absolutely. So since he freely forgives, why on earth wouldn't we freely forgive as well? And that's why God places that condition on forgiveness. So becoming a reflection of our Heavenly Father is really what this prayer is all about. It's not about getting stuff from God or getting him to move on your behalf. It's becoming more like Jesus. Um, like, have you ever heard someone give the testimony, 
that more than their circumstances being changed, they themselves were changed through prayer? You ever heard people give that testimony? That's really what prayer is all about, y'all. See, when you're just like scratching the surface of prayer, prayer is all about trying to get something from God or trying to get him to move on your behalf or trying to get him to change the circumstance. But if you learn how to pray the way Jesus is teaching us to pray, not just reciting this prayer, but sincerely praying these things from your heart, in your own context, in your own words, then you're going to become a different person. You're going to be transformed and changed. Like if every day you seek God's help to live a life that brings honor and glory to him, then you're going to build that into your life. You're going to become the kind of person that lives in such a way that you bring honor and glory to him. If every day you sincerely seek God for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in your life, then you're going to become, you're going to build that into your life. You're going to become the kind of person who surrenders your will to his. If every day you sincerely ask God to give you what you need for that day, then you're building a daily dependence on God in your life. And if every day you sincerely seek God's forgiveness conditional on your forgiving others, then you're going to build within you a heart that freely forgives, just like your Heavenly Father forgave you. Okay, so that catches us up for the last six weeks, all right? The next part of the prayer, which we're looking at today, is again a natural progression from the previous part. Right? Remember a few weeks ago we said that these parts of the prayer aren't just standalone parts, right? Um, they, they, that this prayer actually flows, right? Uh, that each part of the prayer informs the next part. So, having just prayed for forgiveness, and keeping in mind that we are his children, we want to live in such a way that honors and glorifies him, then the next part of the prayer, Jesus teaches us that our next request should be seeking his help to, to not sin so much. Okay, Now, many of us memorize this part of the prayer from the King James Version, maybe the American Standard Version, which reads this way. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so I want to address those two phrases separately, even though it's one main request. I want to break this up in two parts. So let's look first at the first phrase. Lead us not into temptation. Now, That seems like a strange request when you think about it, right? Lead us not into temptation. Have you ever really thought about what you're saying? I mean, it seems kind of strange because Scripture tells us that God doesn't tempt us. So why on earth would we even have to pray, lead us not into temptation? Like, is he going to lead us into temptation if we don't pray that? No. Um, And again, I think some more modern translations help us understand what Jesus is really trying to get at here. What, what this is really about, Jesus teaches us to ask God for help in not giving in to temptation. One of the more modern translations, New, New Living Translation, puts it, this, puts it this way, and don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us yield to temptation. So this is a request asking for God's help not to, not to give in to temptation. Um, and this is not a request, 
you know that we never be tempted, right? Because temptation is a foregone conclusion, right? As long as we live in this world, temptation is going to be a part of our life. Um, but God gives us some um, instruction through his word how to handle that temptation. So what I want to do is just equip you with some scriptural truths to not only be able to handle temptation better than maybe you have in the past, but also give you some things to pray into your life so that you become the kind of person who doesn't give in to temptation so much. Okay? So the first scripture I want to look at is in, is in James, James chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look beginning with verse 12. And it says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So, the first observation we can make from this passage is this. Don't blame God or anyone else for the temptations you struggle with. Don't blame God and don't blame anyone else. Because that's something we have a tendency to do, right? Ever since temptation entered the Garden of Eden, we as human beings love to shift blame, don't we? Like, when Adam and Eve sinned, God confronted Adam for his sin. And what did he say? It was that woman you gave me, right? She made me do it. And then God looked at her and he said, what have you done? And what did she say? It was that serpent. He deceived me. He made me do it, right? Um... So we don't want to own our own stuff, do we? We want to shift blame. Even today, I hear people say, well, God made me this way, right? Trying to justify their sin. God made me this way. God made me this, this person to do this thing. Or, you know, God made me, you know, God gave me this addiction for drugs or whatever. No, he didn't, right? It is your own evil desires that entice you and drag you away into sin. That's what James just told us. So if we're going to win the battle over temptation, if we have any hope of of overcoming temptation, we have to acknowledge that our own desires are at play here, right? That they're the basis for our temptation. You can't blame God and you can't blame anyone else, right? You have to take responsibility for your own evil desires. Like how many of you... um, are tempted to rob a bank. Like every day you just struggle with that. (laughs) Right. Most of us don't do that, right? But there are people who do, right? There are people who have that desire to want to rob that bank, right? They just can't stand the idea of money being in a safe that they can't get to, right? That they think is theirs or they have every right to it. There are people who struggle with that temptation. But you have desires too, right? You have evil desires that you struggle with. And, and, and so we, we have to own it. We have to take responsibility for our own evil desires. Because without those desires being present within, in us, 
temptation wouldn't even be an issue, would it? No. But we do have an enemy who is constantly at work trying to get us to sin. And scripture gives us many examples of him at work, right? In Genesis chapter 3, we see him at work tempting Eve. In Matthew chapter 4, we see him at work trying to tempt Jesus. And then in, uh, in the Gospels, we see, in various places in the Gospels, we see him at work tempting Judas to betray Jesus, right? So we see many examples of him at work. The devil uses our own evil desires against us to tempt us to sin, right? We have those desires within us, but he uses them against us. He knows our weaknesses, and he uses our weaknesses against us to try and tempt us to sin. Um, how many of you guys like to fish? Yeah? Okay. So if you've ever fished, you'll probably understand this um, illustration. The, um, when the devil tries to entice us, that word entice is a, uh, a fishing term. That means to draw away from safety, right? Draw away from the, uh, to draw the fish away from its safe retreat. And the devil doesn't want you to see the hook, right? He doesn't want you to see that the wages of sin is death, right? So he covers the hook up. We're just going to put a gummy worm on this. <laughs> no, I didn't get stink bait. I didn't want my fingers to stink. And so this is how the enemy entices us, right? Come on, you know you want it. Go ahead, go ahead, take it. Go ahead, it's okay. Take it. Take it. I know some of you want it. Grab it. Go ahead. I know you want it, right? Just think of it. You're hungry. That little, that little gummy worm's going to taste so good. Go ahead. All right, well. Maybe gummy worms aren't your thing, right? So uh, let's, let's try something else, right? Maybe, th- maybe this will work. Yeah. I know you want it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know you want it. Take it. <laughs> I know you want it. Come on. Don't be afraid. <laughs> okay. So this is how he works, right? He, he, he does everything he can to sort of entice us away from God, to entice us away from our family, to entice us away from the life God gave us. And he uses your desires for things against you. But I don't think this is even an accurate um, reflection of what we kind of go through here in North Texas, right? Um, I mean, in reality, we are bombarded with all kinds of things trying to draw us away, right? Here in North Texas, there's so many things. And here, here in North Texas, I think this is what it really looks like. Right? Everywhere we turn, there's something trying to entice me and draw me away. 
right? It could be possessions. It could be money. It could be, you know, other things. Candy, right? And in reality, a lot of these things aren't inherently sinful, right? Like money in itself is not inherently sinful, but he uses our desire for it to make us sin in all kinds of ways, right? Um, sex, you know, isn't sinful in the context of marriage. But outside the context of marriage between a man and a woman, anything that's, that's outside of that is sinful. And so he tries to draw us away based on our desires, right? All right, this is really distracting. But this is kind of what it's like, right? What you have to remember, though, is that it is not a sin to be tempted. Some of you just got set free from a whole lot of guilt. It is not a sin to be tempted. Being tempted is just a part of living in this world. Jesus himself was tempted, but he did not sin, right? So, Being tempted is not a sin. Temptation gives birth to sin when we yield to the temptation. That's what this passage in James tells us. We allow that temptation to give birth to sin when we yield to it. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to pray in this prayer. Lord, help me not to yield to the temptation. It's only when we give in and allow ourselves to be enticed and drawn away by our own desires that the devil dangles in front of us, that temptation becomes sin. So, how do we keep from yielding to the temptation that we face every day? How do we keep from yielding to that? In this prayer, Jesus teaches us to ask God for help. That's a scriptural prayer, y'all. You can ask God to help you. When you're being tempted... Ask God for help. Heavenly Father, please help me not to yield and give in to this temptation. How many of you do that? How many of you pray and ask God for help? Okay, that's quite a bit more than I thought. Um, How many of you start your day that way? Were you good? That's awesome. Um, We need to we need to actively ask God for help. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to do. Get God's help, because you can't do it alone. Jesus even told his disciples something similar to this um, when when, um, when he went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray just before he was arrested. In Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, it says this, "Jesus Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and he said, Sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples, and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will not give in to temptation. 
For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. See, there's something to... Um, there's something about turning to God in prayer that gives us strength to endure temptation. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Another thing that you can do to keep yourself from yielding to temptation is look for the escape hatch. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way of escape so that you can endure. Did you know that God provided a way of escape? I mean, how many of you, when you're in the midst of that temptation, you're looking for the escape? Some of you? A few of you? Yeah. Um, it's probably safe to say that most of us are too busy being enticed, right? We're sniffing that gummy worm. We might even be licking at it, right? We haven't bitten at it yet. But we're too busy being enticed by the temptation to look for the escape hatch, to look for the way of escape. But there is one. God is faithful to provide it, and we've got to look for it and take it. And I encourage you to add this scripture to your prayer so that you can build this into your life so that, it's, so that you can become the kind of person that when you're tempted, your immediate response is to look for the way out, right? Looking for the escape hatch. Don't waste any time entertaining that temptation because when you entertain it, you run the risk of it giving birth to sin, right? And I have found more often than not that those escape hatches that God always provides are oftentimes scriptures um, that I've learned, which leads us to the next thing that you can add to your arsenal. Follow Jesus' example and use God's word as your offensive weapon. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus gives us a great example of how to combat temptation by using the truth of God's word to fight it off. Right? In Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time the devil came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, and it's already been established that he has, right? Because just prior to that, what happened? Anybody remember? Just prior to Jesus going into the wilderness, he was baptized. And when he rose up from being baptized... God spoke in an audible voice, and everybody heard it. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So it's already established, right? He's just, and this is the way the enemy works. He throws doubt into what you already know, right? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. He's using his weakness against him, right? He's hungry. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say... People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, I think we need to get in the habit of responding to temptation with, no, God's word says, right? And the story goes on. The enemy tries to tempt him two more times, and he, each time he uses God's word as a weapon, right? And then the enemy fled. But I think that's the habit we need to get into, Right? 
Like if you're tempted to lie, just say no. Proverbs 12.22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in people who are trustworthy. You know, if you're tempted to, to look at something on the internet you have no business looking at, say no. Scripture says in 1 John 2.16 that the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Right? If you're tempted to gossip about someone, say no. Scripture says in Proverbs 20.19 that gossip betrays a confidence. And I'm not going to do that. You know, if, if you're tempted to disobey your parents... Say no. Colossians 3.20 says, Children, obey your parents, for this is good and pleasing to the Lord. Right? And do you realize how easy it is for us to have those weapons? I mean, all you got to do is pull your phone out and Google, what does the Bible say about lust? You know, what does the Bible say about gossip? Find one and use it. Right? Don't just flounder in the temptation. Go on the offensive. Get a scripture. Look it up. Find one, and find one that you can grab a hold of and say, yes, this is what I'm using. This is my sword, right? And again, I encourage you, you know, to just start praying these scriptures into your life so that you can endure the temptation and endure it, so that you can endure the temptation and not yield to it, right? So, Jesus teaches us, to ask for God's help and not to give into temptation. The second thing that He teaches us is to ask God for, um, to ask God for in this part of the prayer is to deliver us from evil. And again, I put it that way in your outline because that's the way most of us memorized it. But what's interesting is that nearly every other version of Scripture, besides the King James and the uh, American Standard, nearly every other version of the Bible says it this way. Deliver us from the evil one. Right? Jesus, it's not just deliver us from evil as a concept, right? As evil as a concept, like evil as a whole or something. It's deliver us from the evil one. There is an evil one. And that's what we're praying to be delivered from. Jesus teaches us to ask God to rescue us from the evil one, Satan. And this is how the verse reads in the New uh, Living. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. That's the full request, request, request right there. The meaning here is that we, are, that we are to be delivered from his power, from his snares, from his tricks, from his deceptions, and from his temptations. Which is very similar to one of Jesus' prayers just before, um, again, before he was arrested... And crucified. In uh, John chapter 17, the whole chapter actually, the whole chapter of John 17 is a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples and for us at the Last Supper. This is right after the Last Supper and right before they went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? This is, and in this prayer, he prays this. Jesus speaking to the Father, he says, Now I'm coming to you. I told, I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe 
from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. This is a great scriptural prayer that you can pray for yourself, right? And this is what we've been encouraging you guys all along. This is a great scriptural prayer. You can say it like this. Lord, I know that the world hates me because I don't belong into the world any more than Jesus belonged to the world. And so I'm not asking you to take me out of the world, but to keep me safe from the evil one. So send me into the world and make me holy by your truth. Right? That's, what, that's how you can just turn that into a personal prayer for yourself. And this is what we've been encouraging you to do throughout this series, is to take scriptural prayers like this and make them your own. It, rather than just sort of reciting each part of this Lord's Prayer, right? Rather than just say, deliver us from the evil one, you could pray that, right? Pray this prayer that Jesus prayed. Okay, so as we start to wrap up here, um, I want to um, take a look at a couple of scriptures um, that use this term evil one so we, we kind of have a better understanding of what this whole request really means, Okay. Um, and these verses that we're going to look at are very simple and very emphatic truths, right? They're just like statements of fact, right? Um, and the first one, uh, they both come from 1 John 5, and it's verses 18 and 19. They, they're both right next to each other. But the first one tells us this, As a child of God, the evil one cannot touch me. And the verse goes like this, We know that. It's a, it's a very emphatic Statement of truth. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. So he can't touch me, but let me ask you this. Can we give him permission to touch me? Do you think we can give him permission do you think maybe yielding to temptation might give him permission to touch you? The next one is this. As a child of God, I am not under control of the evil one. 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Now, again, we're not under his control, but can we yield to his control? See, if these statements are true, and they are, then the real question is, why would you give, in, or give the evil one control of your life by yielding to his temptation? Why would you do that? Why would you give him any amount of control by yielding to his temptation? Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says this, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. See, before Jesus, we were bound, right? We were bound with chains, and we had no control, right? 
we were absolutely controlled by our father, the devil, right? In this world, you don't get to be a free agent. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil, right? Read the Gospels. That's what he says, what Jesus tells us. And so before Jesus came into our life, before, he, before um, you know, we surrendered to him and we were born again, we were under the enemy's control. But when Jesus, when we, when Jesus came into our life, those chains were broken and we were set free, right? We were no longer slaves to sin. That's what this verse tells us. But I see people all the time, Christians, who still think they're bound by the enemy, right? They, they just give in to temptation or they, they feel like they can't overcome the sin that they have no power over it, right? That it has power over them. They, they live like they're still under, they're still in bondage when in fact they're not because Jesus set them free from it. So you can basically hand yourself over to his control by yielding to his temptation. That's why this prayer is so important. As with every other part of the prayer, we are praying this into our lives, right? Becoming the kind of people who don't yield to temptation so that we no longer relinquish any control to him. We don't give him a foothold anywhere in our life. Lord, help me to not give in to temptation and deliver me from the power, the schemes, the deceptions, and the temptations of the evil one so that I can walk in the freedom from sin that you paid for with the blood of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for... Your word, we thank you, Jesus, for this teaching on prayer. We thank you that we have the victory, that we, we, we are free from the bondage of sin. Lord, all these verses that we looked at are so powerful and they're so, such amazing truths. But God, sometimes we just don't live in them. Sometimes we, we just surrender and yield to the temptations that come our way. And that's not how you made us. That's not how your children are to live. Lord, help us to become the kind of people who don't yield to temptation. I pray, God, that you would Help us to see the value of this prayer and that we start praying this into our lives every single day so that we can become the kind of person who looks for that escape hatch immediately, who resists temptation, who doesn't give into it and acknowledges that we have the victory. Jesus paid for it. And we get to walk in the freedom of not being in bondage to sin anymore. God, I pray for your help in that pray that you would help us to use this prayer as a daily part of our lives. Help us to recognize that your word is an offensive weapon and that we can use it when temptation comes our way, just like Jesus did. You have given us power, and there's power in your word, but we have to use it. 
we have to pull it out of its sheath and put it to work. So help us, God, not to be a people who are tempted anymore, but who do not give in and who seek your help. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We need your help. And that's what Jesus is teaching us to pray. Seeking your help to not give in, not yield, and to be delivered from the power and the schemes and the deceptions and temptations of the evil one who's in this world. It's a fight that we have to endure until we leave this world. But we have the victory. And for that, we thank you. Thank you, God, so much. We pray for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right.